Hello, this is Janet Gallen, welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is Martha Bolton, and <laughs> what she's done is, for me, in the world of love letters and letters and the importance of them, solid gold. So Martha, I'm just going to introduce you so you could say hello. Hi. Hi. And, nice and, to be with you and, and looking forward to talking about Bob. Me too. Can we just start with you? I know that there is so much about you and what you've done that, um, but I'd like to start back as far as we can for just a few minutes about you. You were one of the original writers for his TV show. How did you start in life writing and how did your life lead you to this? <laughs> well, I started with Bob around 1983, 82 in that area. Oh, so that's and, late already uh, because he was, he was, he was quite, right. He was yeah, quite, that was toward, I was, with him. yeah, toward I was with him from the, uh-huh. Uh, what did you, uh, until what the did end, you, uh, from, what had you done before that, that, that let you do this? Well, I had been writing for Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers, and I oh. had been writing books and different, different, a newspaper column, comedy newspaper column. So I had, and magazine articles. I had done some comedy writing and uh, how it, how it happened was I had read a book from a gentleman, uh, uh, named Gene Parrott, and he was the creative consultant for uh, Mama's Family, and he was had also been a staff writer for The Carol Burnett Show. Uh -huh. And so when I read his book, we had a lot in common because he used to roast uh, his boss at work, and I uh, used to roast the, our pastor. I would roast different friends of mine, their bosses at their work. And so we had that in common and we both wrote for Phyllis Diller. So uh, I wrote him and just shared that really. I, I didn't ask for anything, but he, he wrote me back and invited me to come down to see a taping of Mama's Family. So I did. And I brought, my husband and I brought this big scrapbook that had all my writing in it and uh, the you know different things that I had uh, sold. And so he looked through it, was reading it, and, and really uh, liked my work. So he said, you should be writing for Hollywood. So, and I had wanted did to you, get Did you live writing. in LA at the time? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in LA. I lived there uh, until we moved to Tennessee. Oh, because I grew up here also. Where did, you, where, did you, where did you start off there? Uh, just in the Nashville area. Out, out here or LA? Are you talking? LA. Are you are you meaning LA? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the uh, north of LA, uh, uh, the valley. I was a valley girl, grew up. So, um, so it, anyway, so I wrote a couple of spec scripts. He suggested that I write, and I didn't have a typewriter that was working at the time at that moment, and so for a quarter I didn't want to waste any time so for a quarter scripts for mama's family and um uh then uh, uh got him to gene and he got him to um I see, okay. Simmons so and you he was you actually 
you actually did work with Bob Hope then. Because I remember Bob Hope, of course, I'm sure well, that's what, from the 40s. I mean, he goes yeah. back a long time. Oh, I know. Yeah. So well, what, what happened was, was, so he, yeah, he got me uh, connected. I, I was going to get called in that next season on Mama's Family uh, to do a spec, to do a, get some show ideas. And so what happened was, what happens in Hollywood is the show got canceled. So uh -huh. I, you know, my hopes were up and then they were dashed and uh, come to find out, Gene was also a writer for Bob Hope. And then he recommended me. What was it? What was he like to work with? You know, you're, you're, you're freezing here a little bit. And then I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think we're having some issues. Um, yeah. Are you on, are you on a tablet sure. or? Are you on a tablet or a? I'm on my, um, my, my computer. Okay. Are you, are you? Let me just double check. Okay. No, tell okay. me. Tell me what it was uh, like to work with him. <laughs> well, it was a well, dream come true. Like, if you're if you're going up the comedy, uh, the comedian chain, uh, he's the top. So I know, isn't that after, you know? And I've I've, yeah. I've I want to say because I've noticed this. In particular, in comparison with today's comedians, that he he his his material never destroyed anyone else. No, very it was funny, but came from a uh, a place of respect. It, yes, he never he wasn't mean. His comedy wasn't mean, and and so much of it today is mean, but. Um, that's what yeah, I, it, it was and in the 50 I was with him 15 years uh-huh but period of time he never said one unkind word to me he was the nicest boss you could imagine I'm not and surprised he was the same person on stage as he was when he got off you know I think, no different. I think so often today and I've seen this when I've gone to comedy shows that very often comedians are so mean to others, their comedy revolves around denigrating others. And they do get laughter, but yeah. I, I think the laughter is audience discomfort, personally. And, you know, his example, yeah, his example that you did not have to make others feel low for you to be successful. Right. Is so and important. he would never, yeah, and he would never hit people when they were down, uh, which is so prevalent today. If if somebody finds out that you know this person has this problem or or this happened or whatnot, and then just everybody jumps on him, and he would never do that. It if they had um, something that they were dealing with, say an alcohol problem or something like that, he'd leave them alone. That it, they were dealing with it and needed oh, to get nice. through it on their own. So how did how did you attack. how did you come to get this collection of letters? Well, so uh, when I, I was working on the shows, there was this one period that that we looked through the letters, and I I remember getting to read these and thinking, oh my goodness, this is a treasure trove of history, 
plus that's, a, a real insight into Bob's heart. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think some of and our so, best history uh, is from letters. So, you what? Oh, yeah. And I talked with Bob at the time and told him that I thought it would make a really good book. So, oh, so he, was, uh, he, was, he was definitely he interested. Him about the letters. He was alive when we first started working. Yes. And, and so he suggested that I talk with Linda. And Linda grew up with the letters in the house. So uh, we, we met and we talked and we started working on it. And, uh, and then going through these boxes of letters, these um, like banker boxes. And, and then uh, what happens again in Hollywood, you, you know, you, you're working, you know, something else comes up where we, we move to this television special or we move to something else. So it got, it just got put aside temporarily. I mean, it, we were always knew we'd get back to it. And um, then unfortunately Bob passed away. And a few years ago, uh, Linda emailed me and said, are you, you know, do you want to get back on to that book? And, and uh, yeah, so what, what I- was, What was the overriding, what was the overriding thing that you learned from these letters about that time in history? For starters, the the um, uh, well the the communication, which you really had to realize what they had at that time was only the letters. But then, what is really valuable about letter writing is it could be as long as they wanted it to be, and it's uh, that feeling of their their heart. I think goes on to a letter more than exactly pen and paper, and. Uh, and you could probably put your heart onto a letter, an old-fashioned yeah. than uh, easy, more easily than email these days. When you and, just, and by the way, handwriting I think is king, because just, we've all, we've all got Helvetica and Lucida Bright. Nobody has your handwriting. I, yeah, you know, it, it, it's such a fingerprint. What did what what was the overriding um, attitude in the letters that the soldiers wrote to him. I mean, these are a collection, I'm sorry, let's define this for everybody. This is a collection of letters that, letters that were written by GIs to Bob Hope, right? During World War II, right. And the, uh, it's called Dear Bob, and it's Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II. And uh, the overwhelming message that comes across in the letters is gratitude. Uh, Bob's uh, gratitude and respect. Bob's gratitude and respect for them, their gratitude and respect for Bob. And then the uh, what I learned most in those letters uh, was the deep relationship that he had with each one of them. Uh, they it was way more than a fan celebrity relationship. It was a buddy. It was their brother. It was their dad. He would call them his sons and daughters. Really? And the depth of their relationship that comes across in these handwritten letters, um, it's just unbelievable. That, that was a huge surprise, but just it was one of those wow moments where you just realize this relationship was unbelievable. It was and just- I understand that he wrote back to these men also. I mean, how, 
I read I read that he got something like what thirty eight thousand letters week a week a week. How do you how do you how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, he had a secretary. He had a really good secretary, Marjorie Hughes, and thankfully she kept everything. She kept the letters. She kept the um, his responses back on the old carbon paper on any yes, yes. Oh, good for her. Okay. We have his responses to the letters and um, and the book really takes you back to that time. There's all sorts of other photographs of, of time, uh, things that were going on at that time. And then also his personal photographs. There's 200 and almost 250 personal photographs. <laughs> of him. A huge book. A huge well, it's book? About, it's, it's about 300 pages. And then there's text and a photograph on uh -huh. a lot of the pages. And uh, people can buy this on Amazon? Or I shouldn't say Amazon. Where else can they get it? All bookstores now have it? Uh, yeah, uh, Barnes & Noble, I think, has it on the website. Uh -huh. uh, and the brick and mortar stores should be um, stocking it, hopefully. And if not, they can order it for them so they can support their brick and mortar so let's, stores. Let's, if you would do me a favor and do the whole world a favor, say the name of the book nice and slowly and so people can either write it down or remember it and then they'll know what to order okay you can order dear bob bob hope's wartime correspondence with the gis of world war ii at your uh, brick and mortar stores if they're open and at also the internet uh, everybody's books. delivering thank goodness yes okay now when you say the secretary thought to keep <coughs> Everything. I mean, I learned to type with carbon paper. Yeah, so did I. Have also, <laughs> and and um, yes, that that was a wonderful thing because usually people will send a letter, send it off, and they don't have a copy of it. But they wrote it, and that's that's something I always did too: was keep copies of what I sent off. And and uh, uh, so yeah, she was because I used to be a secretary. <laughs> I think secretaries do that, but. She she uh, she had the foresight that she knew it was history. Good for and, her. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, and it's, making copies of letters. I mean, we live in miracle times. And one of the things that I do, kind of stress in workshops that I do on writing love letters and all kinds of things fall under that rubric, um, yeah. is to make a copy. Make yeah. a copy before you send it off. Take a picture of it with your cell phone and everybody's story is worth telling. Yes, I you do. know what else is nice about making a copy is whenever you're feeling down, just go through all your old letters and start reading some of these wonderfully encouraging letters that you've received over the years. And I, am, it is, yeah. I am so glad to hear you say that. We should probably be giving classes together. Yes, because <laughs> You know, first of all, it's it's a it's kind it's a gift like no other. You know, it never goes out of style. It won't add to it won't add calories. It won't need you to change the water. You know, it's it's something that lasts forever. And what you say about reading it later, it's always it's yeah. always uplifting. And if you read old letters, which I'm looking forward to doing in this book of yours you you get somehow yeah. taken back to your youngest 
and strongest self in some cases. Oh yeah, and, and a lot of times you, you, know, you may have forgotten what was said to you in this certain letter. Yes. And then you read it again and you go, oh my goodness, how encouraging or how loving was that, you know? You bet, you bet. And so, you know, somebody, some comedian, I can't remember her name, but she deserves full credit, who pointed out, you can't reread a phone call. <laughs> you know exactly yeah, very no, important no. to have these oh this is wonderful and yeah so are, are with this project now finished are you looking at doing more of this kind of I would like to, because he he did korea he did vietnam he oh, did uh, of course yeah, yeah he did desert storm and then the cold war so i would like to i could see it being a trilogy hopefully uh and getting those those times and and uh, the letters from that uh, from the sure. GIs. oh that's wonderful to hear okay so you're really quite the historian this is good now are you are you in close touch with his family i'm guessing children and grandchildren what well uh definitely you know the board of the bob bob hope and dolores hope uh, foundation and they're all involved in uh, in Dear Bob and uh, Linda, of course, his daughter and the family uh, is all supportive as far as, you know, just they're all on just we we are uh, singing Bob Hope's praises. So that's wonderful. You know, I'm listening to you. I'm realizing something that I kind of felt about him as a an audience member, you know, somebody who show, saw his um, road to Morocco and Rio, you know, his old movies. I still watch them when they're on TV. They're just terrific. And yeah, yeah. it, you know, it seems that he did not take himself seriously. He did not put himself in the center no. of the universe. Would you say? No, no, I, I absolutely would say he, he wasn't, he had confidence, but no arrogance. Oh, how and, well put. Yes. Because I can see that he uh, took he took life seriously, and he yes, took the respect. Yes. And I guess it was important to him. I'm asking you this, really. I'm saying it, but it's a question. Was it important to him that our soldiers be kind of forever honored? Yes, yes, and and even not just in wartime, but in peacetime as well. Uh -huh. And. Uh, he would be their champion, whatever they needed. He would see to it that they got it and would take it to the president if he had to, or Congress. He, he would um, he'd do anything for them. And once you read their letters, you understand why. He saw their sacrifice. I, I was just gonna so say what, was, they, yeah, yeah. what they gave, course, what they so gave the young man and now women also that right, so, went off to war. Oh. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Yeah. So it, it, when he, every time he looked at their sacrifice, he would think, you know, this is the little that I can do, then I'm going to do it. And uh, he just brought commitment to a whole new level and, and meant it. It, it, it. This was sincere. He, he had promised to entertain the troops in World War II, and he continued for 50 years. His last military show was when he was 87 years old. I was totally unaware of that. Yeah, I didn't know he's that. He's climbing in and out. 
when wow. uh, ducking the same incoming that they're ducking at 87. So that's, that's commitment. That's someone who took a pledge yes. and uh, stuck with it. And he's an example for everybody. I mean, the effort in doing that, just, you know, that means getting on airplane after airplane to travel to places that weren't so pleasant. Yes, yeah. And it was something, it was in him. And I think in the beginning, it probably started uh, when, you know, when he went to Marchfield and he, the audience, the reaction of the audience back in 1941. And he loved that, that the, they were so ready for laughter and that the laughter just, he loved that audience. So that was how he started. But I think through the years of seeing everything that he saw and receiving all these letters and getting to know the heart of the GIs and uh, getting them getting into his heart, um, it just grew so deep and it comes across in every one of their letters. There's funny letters, there's uh, historic le letters that have all sorts of historic uh, significance and you to get through because they're just so gut-wrenching, but it takes you, the book takes you on an emotional roller coaster. I'm sure it does. Oh, I want to thank you for doing this with me. And I'm going to get the book for myself. I'm so eager to, to see it and read it. And I'll look, let's just be in touch because as you do more things, if you'd like to come back to talk about other projects, I'm here. Thank you, dear. This has okay. just been that wonderful. Thank Good you. luck with it. Take I mean, care. you've already you've already sold many, many copies, right? This isn't something that's going to be coming out soon. This is out. It went in, yeah, it, it just came out um, and it already went into its second printing uh, before it re officially released. Wow. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, I mean, people are, are pretty moved by it, I think. I'm sure. Okay, well, thank you so much. And until we meet again. I will just say goodbye. And I will just say from Love Letters Live, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.